Welcome to the Word of Grace podcast. As a community, we exist to love on God with all that we are and to share His grace with everyone. If you want to connect with us more, head to social media or wordofgracechurch.com. Here's today's episode. Well, welcome once again, and we're so excited you're here. We've been uh, spending a little bit of time in the season leading up to Christmas discussing how, while everything is a little topsy-turvy in our world right now, Christmas actually makes some promises to us, and we can't count on a whole lot in our time, but we can count on Christmas, and more importantly, we can count on Jesus, amen? You know, we've looked at the fact that we see a lot of imperfection in our world, but we choose to count on his perfection, not our own. We look out at our world and we see a lot of shortages and some difficulty, but we count on his abundance. And as we wish each other Merry Christmas tonight, we remind ourselves once more that he's the one that we're celebrating, and he never lets us down. I want us to open the word together tonight to Matthew chapter 2, and look at the story once more. If you turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 2 with me, and it'll be on the screen for you as well. This is the story of the Magi, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 12. 12? 12, yes. Here we go. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, Judah, you are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come for, from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave... They returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. What an amazing part of the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus' arrival. My son, sitting over there somewhere being goofy, is currently obsessed with the movie The Star, uh, which is all about the wise men coming to see Jesus. Thank you very much, Grandma Lisa, for that. Uh, and it tells the story through the eyes of a donkey named Bo. But front and center in that story and front and center in the story of the coming of Christ are the three wise men, as we like to call them, the visitors from the east, the magi, royal astrologers. I just want to ask you tonight, I don't know what characters of the Christmas story that you kind of identify with, but I want to suggest that all of us can find ourselves just a little bit in the story of the Magi tonight. See, in their day, astrology was one of the choice professions. They were sophisticated. They were well-educated. They had the tools. They were royal astrologers. They knew the most about the most. And they were the wise men. That's why we call them that. 
And they're kind of like us, if you think about it. Every one of us in our culture, we're educated at a level never before imagined in history. And if we don't know something, well, we've got the tools too, a little robot named Siri in most of our pockets that we can ask and she'll find the answer for us in a second, right? We have all the knowledge that we could possibly need, just like the wise men were in their day. And yet, they were searching for something greater. They were looking for answers. They were looking for truth. And here's the amazing thing to me as I reflect on this part of the story of Christmas. These wise men came from the East. They were not part of God's chosen people. They didn't have the scriptures to search to make sense of what was going on. But God chose to involve them anyway. God met them right where they were, and he spoke to them through what they knew. Through what they knew. Somehow, these men knew that this unexplained phenomenon in the heavens meant that the king of the Jews, the Messiah, had been born, had come. Anybody else find that detail a little bit crazy? I mean, there are some theories about why that might have happened, why they might have been able to connect those dots. But how in the world did they know, not being from Israel, not having connection with them, how did they know what it meant? And why did they risk their lives to go and find this newborn king? It can only have happened by divine revelation. God himself chose to show them what it meant and set them on their way. You see, they may have studied the stars for a long time. They may have considered themselves to be experts on what the stars meant, but he created the stars. Psalm 33 tells us, at his word, the stars were born. And David says, the stars exist to make him known. And as these Eastern mystics looked to the stars, God met them right where they were and drew them to himself. That gives me a lot of hope. Anybody else? Tonight, if we are honest with ourselves and our world, we have all the tools and we have all the knowledge, all the smarts, but many of us are searching too looking for a framework that will help us to make sense of everything we see, looking for meaning and purpose in all that we see. We're probably going to get more stuff this Christmas to distract us too. But the world is still searching for hope, still searching for a Messiah. And I'm confident of one thing tonight above all else, that the God of the universe, the one who gave birth to the stars, will use any and everything in all of creation to make himself known to you and I. And he will not allow any darkness to stop his light coming into our lives. Does anybody else struggle this time of year with how short the days become? You know, the complete lack of light out there, it seems like. I used to live in England, several latitudes north of here, and it would get dark so, so early. You go to work and it would be dark. You leave work and it would be dark. It's just dark all the time. I couldn't imagine living in Alaska. And wherever the mullets are watching this from, I see you and I applaud you for your bravery living without the light for that long. Seasonal depression is a real thing. And it's usually around this time, somehow the travel companies start kind of subliminally programming us for our upcoming trips to Florida, right? Like, anybody else realize that? Anybody else started to see this? Like, you get a Merry Christmas email, but really they're like, you know you hate the dark and cold in Ohio, let's go, Florida's ready and waiting for you. It always happens about now. Well, there's good news. Tuesday was officially the darkest day of the year. Nine hours, 13 minutes, and 26 seconds of light. The winter solstice. So that means from here on out, it's going to get better, right? 
Isn't it kind of cool, though, that we celebrate Christmas during this time when it's the darkest? Because we all know that the light sticks out the most, shines brightest when things are at their darkest. You know, the darkness, if we're honest, it's not just a physical thing that we encounter. It's not just a seasonal reality in our world where the sunshine reaches us for less time during the day. Our world is full of all kinds of darkness, spiritual darkness, emotional darkness. Many are struggling in our world. Isaiah's great prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 about Jesus' arrival reads like this in verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And tonight we celebrate and we remember that For any of us who sit in darkness of any kind, the light of Christ has arrived. Amen? Well, that's good news in our world, and we need it more and more if you look around our world today. We need to remember what the light of the world arriving means. Like those magi, so, so many of us are searching for the light, searching for the truth. But the reality is, many of us are searching in all the wrong places. Tim Keller comments on that promise in Isaiah that we just read, that those sitting in darkness, a great light has dawned upon them. He latches onto the context of what Isaiah is writing in a way that is so significant. And he says this, this promise from Isaiah comes after chapter 8, and it is at the end of chapter 8, however, that explains why we need the light from God. Chapter 8, verse 19 and 20, he says, We see people consulting mediums and magicians instead of God. Then the chapter ends like this, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. They will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. They're looking to their experts, to their mystics, to the scholars for solutions. Yes, they say, we're in darkness, but we can overcome it ourselves. People make the same claim today. Some look more to the state, some to the market, and everyone looks to technology. Yet they share an identical assumption. Things are dark, but we believe we can end that darkness with our intellect and innovation. What's Tim Keller saying? Well, in short, we're all searching, but often we're searching in all the wrong places. We have an inbuilt tendency to look to our own devices, our own technologies, our own philosophies, our own systems and frameworks, trying to find meaning and make sense of everything we see in the darkness. All you have to do is look at the popular sentiment around Christmas time. The world says that Christmas is just about human beings choosing love and unity out of our own goodness and responsible nature. And that as we have all these things, technology, philosophy, Surely we're heading towards better and better things until we reach kind of a global utopia where everybody's just going to get along, connected and happy. Is that what we see in our world? Isaiah spoke about the moment of Christ's arrival and all are looking inside ourselves, looking to our devices until our necks hurt. It doesn't produce the light, he said. It does give us more darkness and that can be completely disorienting for us. Here's the reality today. The things that we long for, the peace, the hope, the joy promised in the kingdom of God is impossible without the king. We try time and time again to create the kingdom without the king on our own terms because we know that we were made for something more. We're longing for something greater. 
And that search, that journey that we're all on, that sense that we all have that there must be something more, that's real. That hunger for something better, it's going to stay there inside of us no matter what, no matter how many times we search elsewhere to try and fill it, because it was put there by God himself to point us back to himself, to lead us back to the light. See, we were made to live in the light of his love for us. And Christmas shows us just how far God will go to lead us back to his presence, to life with him. John chapter 1 tells it like this, the light, the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it. When God acts, nothing can stop it. No darkness, no matter how deep or pervasive, can stop his light from shining in the darkness. And the peace and the love that we long for, that we know we were made for, is available because he chose to enter the darkness himself. God's promise to us for all who are searching for him is that the light of Christ is forever shining to make him known. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When we hold nothing back, but look for him with everything we've got, we find that he has always been ready and waiting to meet us exactly where we are. Just like those magi, he will use anything and everything in all of creation to lead us back to himself. So for you and I, what that means is no matter how many places we've searched for meaning, for purpose, God is ready and waiting to lead us back to the light of his love, the true light that gives us life, as John calls it. Christmas tells us that the creator of the world willingly stepped into our darkness, into all of our mess, to find us and shine his light upon us. It's the story of his extravagant love. And although we see darkness in our world, tonight I want to remind you we can count on the light because of Christmas. Jesus went on to stand up and declare about himself in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't ever have to walk in darkness again because you will have the light that leads to true life with me. There's a famous painting by William Holman Hunt called The Light of the World. It portrays Jesus with a crown of thorns on his head and carrying a lantern in his left hand, knocking on a closed door. It's said that the artist, after completing the picture, showed it to some of his friends who praised the merits of the painting, the beauty of what he had created, but one of them pointed out to him what he considered to be an omission on the part of the artist. You put no handle on the door, he said to Holman Hunt, who replied immediately, you forget the handle of the door is on the inside. The light of the world has come. And he gives us the choice. Will we let him in? Will we search for the real thing or just keep trying everything else? It reminds me of Jesus' words in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. He says, look, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we can share a meal together as friends. The reality of Christmas is this. Jesus came for us. He's never stopped knocking on our hearts. He has never stopped shining his light into our lives. He is still everything that we need and everything our hearts long for. So this Christmas, let's open the door. Let's let him shine his light into our hearts again. 
No matter what's going on around us, no matter how much darkness is in our world, no matter what difficulties we might be facing, let's remember the God who loves us enough to leave heaven behind and come searching, meeting us where we are in the midst of our mess. Now, our world's going to continue to be a dark place, but tonight we count on the light. That's what Christmas is all about. We celebrate the arrival of the light of the world, the light that no darkness can ever extinguish. And we know that our true hope is in him alone. Amen? You might be here tonight and you're battling some darkness of your own. You might be watching online and there's all hell breaking loose at home. I just want to encourage you tonight. Open your heart. Don't wait. Seek him with everything you've got. And watch what you find. There's no time like the present to discover or maybe rediscover the source of real hope that we're made for, that we long for, that we're looking for. So tonight as we sing about his story, we light our candles. You can open the door of your heart and let him in once more. There's no magical set of words to say, but as John put it for us, to all who believe in him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Simply let him know that you're done looking elsewhere for the light, that you'll trust in him alone. And share it with somebody who can tell you more about his story. If you'd stand with me, we're going to sing in just a moment. We're going to get our candles ready. We're going to pass the light around tonight. When we're done singing, as you exit, you can uh, extinguish your candles. There'll be buckets at the back for putting out our candles so we don't smoke the place out. But tonight, as we sing one final song, we want to share the light of the world together. That our light has come. Arise and shine, for your light has come, says Isaiah. So let's sing together, and let's share the light.
Hey, thanks for joining us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps others find this content. If you want to connect with us, head over to social media or go to wordofgracechurch.com.